Well, my name is Eric, and I'm the lead pastor here, here at our Riverdale location of Alpine Church. I am glad to be here with you guys today, and really, we're going to cover some probably difficult to understand portions of the book of Mark. We've been walking through the book of Mark for, for since the first of the year. We're in chapter four now, and we recently, just la- last week, got into these parables and what parables are, and and so now I've got to handle three parables all at once. So you're going to need to buckle up and, and just take some notes or, or go to our website uh, at alpinechurch.org and go to the Riverdale page and you can find notes for this to follow along. Pull out your Bibles. We've got free Bibles at the welcome table. Pull out your Bible apps. We're going to be looking at a lot of verses here today to try to understand what Jesus is trying to say in these parables. Last week, we talked about what a parable is. A parable is a story to throw alongside a truth, an illustration. It's a story or analogy that helps us better understand a point that Jesus is trying to make. And yet, we learned that also last week, sometimes these are told so that it will conceal truth so people don't get it. And sometimes these are for people to understand truth and to get it. And so I'm going to bring up our last verses as the key verse today for us to kind of understand what's going on in parables when Jesus teaches in parables. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables But afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. So again, last week, if we go to when when he first brought in parables into his, his teaching ministry, his disciples said, what do you mean by these parables? And And so this is how Jesus responded. It said, and he said, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So there are things in the Bible that people on the outside just don't understand. And I think we all can look around at the world and look around at, you know, life and our families and stuff. There are things in God's Word that just rub people the wrong way, or they just simply outright say, that part is wrong, therefore people will say, well, the Bible's not properly interpreted, and it's not translated correctly, and, and then they'll say, well, I like this part of the Bible, but not that part of the Bible, and it's because people don't understand the words of God, and, and so we must pray and and consider and come and, and cry out to the Lord, give me understanding. If you're here today and you're a person that has never really understood the Word of God, my, my prayer and hope for you is that you would get to this place of humility where you say, God, please help my unbelief. Give me understanding. Speak through your servant. Speak through your Holy Spirit. Come down from heaven. Reveal to me what you're saying because I don't want to be lost. I feel lost. I feel like I don't understand you. And yet, sometimes that's on purpose, is what the Bible says. Sometimes people are lost 
on purpose and they can't get it for a reason. And, and specifically in our part of where Jesus is speaking, um, where he's telling parables but only telling it in secret, un- uh, helping them understand in secret, there's a purpose for that. And, and, and I think a lot of us need to understand, you know, like, what is he doing? Is he playing favorites? Well, part of it is a judgment against his own people, the nation of Israel. He doesn't want them to turn and be forgiven because if they do, his plans won't play out. His whole redemptive plan won't play out unless people reject him. And yet God has a part of people rejecting him. That's a hard pill to swallow. There's a lot of things that's going to be said today that are going to challenge, but hopefully bring even a deeper understanding about how it works. How does faith come about? How does God grow his kingdom? How do people even get to this place where they can respond to truth and repent and believe? I pray that's what we see here today. So let's get to the first part of our our text for today, starting in verse 21 of chapter 4. Right after this parable of the soils we talked about last week, then, he, then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Now, sometimes when Jesus speaks, I think even for us Christians or newer Christians or or older Christians alike, we're like, what in the world is he saying? You know, what does that that mean? Well, we have to interpret Scripture with Scripture. Look all around the Bible. What's he saying? What are these themes in here? What's this theme of light? Why does he bring that up? Well, light illuminates the truth. Light shines in. In dark places, okay? Light brings about revelation. It reveals what's hidden. It shines on secrets and and makes them known, okay? And so Jesus brings up this this light illustration, like, and he kind of uses it like, wouldn't this be ridiculous if someone lit a lamp and then put a basket over it or put it under a bed? And, and we would say, yes, that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Why? Because light is meant to shine for all to see. Light is meant for us to be able to see things when it's dark so that we can have things revealed to us. Because when things are in the dark, you're blind. You can't see. Even if you have 20-20 vision in the dark, you can't see anything. You have to have light in order for you to have uh, a sense of what's going on. So Jesus brings this, this, this almost like secretive language. like, And I think for us to understand that, we've got to go to different places in the Bible. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says also in other places in John chapter 3, Jesus is the the light who came into the world, but people loved their darkness rather than light. People don't want to come to the light unless their, their secrets get exposed. 
Their sin gets exposed. When Jesus steps on the world and he's, he's ramping up his preaching, he's talking about these secrets that are, that are hidden that are one day going to be revealed. People won't always be able to live in their rebellion, in their rejection, in their foolishness toward God. One day they're going to have to deal with it. But for right now, God is slowly revealing a secret. And it's only meant for certain people at the time. That's what he's saying in that verse. He doesn't want them to turn and be forgiven because part of it is a judgment on the nation of Israel for their lack of faith and their sin and rebellion against him. And yet, Paul, in the New Testament, he prays that it would be revealed to you and to me and to other people. In the church of Ephesus, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So what is going on here? There's only a certain select few group of people that God is revealing truth to. To the rest, it's hidden. It'll be made known later, but to the rest of people, it is hidden. It is a secret to them, and he is slowly revealing it. Why? Well, first of all, if they didn't reject Jesus, then he wouldn't have been crucified and killed, and he wouldn't have been able to bring this message of salvation to the ends of the earth. And so, in a sense, we see Jesus leaving people out. Although Jesus himself was on the outside of their clique, now Jesus comes as the Savior and leaves the the people who think they're on the inside, and he leaves them on the outside. Have you ever felt that way before, by the way? I was thinking about this growing up. Go back to your elementary days. You know, there was the popular kids, there was the in crowd, and they had some inside joke. Maybe they were even talking about you. This happened to me often in my life, you know. Uh... I've been made fun of a lot in my life, and, and, and there was an in-crowd of people that, and I just didn't quite fit in, and they would have these secrets, you know, these inside things, and I always felt left out, like, what, what are they talking about, you know, or, you ever, here's the thing, this bothers me, and I know you're all probably guilty of this, when people constantly quote movies, and you've never seen it, you know, you ever been in a conversation where, like, people are quoting and it's like two or three people, they're like, oh, yeah, that's so funny, you know, and they're just laughing at it, and they're having a good time, you know, and you're like, this means nothing to me. I, I don't watch movies because I'm holy, right? I, I work, right? <laughs> right, you make a, but then finally you go watch the movie, and then you, now you're in the in crowd, right? Or somebody reveals the secret to you, and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it, right? Now I get it. Did you know that Jesus does that? (laughs) Jesus has inside sayings, inside secrets, inside jokes that aren't really jokes at all, but are very serious, that are meant for certain people to understand. Because if everybody understood, then God's plan would not have taken place. They needed to reject him so that eventually he would be led to the slaughter as the sacrifice for the sins of the world. Isn't that amazing? 
It's hard to grasp. As we, as we think about the kingdom of God, how it works, and how God works, and how much control does God have, um, you know, in a sense, some people think he plays favorites. I don't know that I would call it like that, but I would say that there are those that the Bible says in whom he chooses to reveal truth to. And a lot of us here today can say that that's me. I don't know why it's me, but that's me. I don't know why I understand, but I understand. You know, a lot of people maybe have it confused, and maybe they, they take credit for their own faith and their own religion. And they say, you know, and just pat myself on the back, right? Like, you know, I got to this point because, you know, at a certain point in my life, I just... I just, you know, after so much seeking God and knowledge and information and, and trying to be a good person, I finally got it, and that's when God said, okay, since you get it, I love you and I'm going to forgive you. I think maybe that's a largely misunderstood uh, application of when we say, you know, repent and believe. You've got to hear the words and respond to them and understand, and, and yet there's a deeper thing going on, a spiritual thing going on that we struggle to comprehend even today. I need the words from the Lord, and we're just going to have to look at Scripture to be able to, to pull these truths out. But one thing I'm trying to help us understand here, it is, it is a supernatural event that happens when a person understands the word of the Lord and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, that understands that they're a sinner. You didn't come to that on your own. God did it. And he only reveals it to certain people. Uh, some people are left in their rebellion, hence the secret. It goes on. Jesus says this. We saw this last week, this whole ears to hear. If anyone has ears to hear, he should listen and understand. Then he added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you'll be given. And you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be forgiven or given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away. What is Jesus saying? What are these ears to hear? Is he saying like... Make sure, perk up, and listen with your physical ears. He says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. He says this a lot. He says this in the, in the book of Revelation. You know, when talking about, you know, the end times, like, this is serious. This is a serious thing. And if you have the ears to hear this, then you need to listen. But how do I get the ears to hear this is tough to understand, you see, because I don't think he's talking about physical ears. Open your canal a little bit wider. Get the wax out of your ear just a little bit more. If you need a hearing aid, get that in there or put one of those horns on your ear that they used to use, right? Like you could see a picture of that. Okay, Jesus, I'm listening. Please tell me. No, he's not talking about physical ears. He's talking about spiritual ears. Spiritual eyes to see and spiritual ears to hear because spiritual truth is only understood through the Spirit. The Bible says that we need the Spirit to enlighten us on the truth. When Jesus talked about light, you know, the Bible says God is light. God created light. 
Let light shine out of darkness to reveal the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ that shines in his, in his face. There's a light that pops on. You've, ever, you've, you've used that analogy probably in your own life. A light just came on, right? A light just came on in somebody's mind or brain when they were thinking about something or, and they finally understood. That's what happens, but that is God doing the work. The Holy Spirit himself is bringing the light of truth into a person's mind and heart so that they can hear what Jesus has to say. And how do you know if you have these ears to hear? It says even more will be given. More understanding understanding will be given. And so it's a gradual thing. You get the first part of it. You get the basics of the faith, Christianity, but yet It's a gradual progression of more and more understanding. If you have been given those spiritual ears to hear and eyes to see, he says, I will give you more understanding. So if you're here today and you're like, I just want to learn more. Sometimes I don't get it. Yes, I get the gospel. I get the the easy stuff. But like some of that stuff, I just want to know more. And this is why people come to church. This is why people study their Bible. This is why people read the words of God, or listen to sermons about the word of God, because this is how God is going to give people more understanding the more and more they desire to hear the word. But that, again, is what ears to hear are, is a desire. God puts a desire in you to say, man, I need those words. I want to live off of those words and not just by all the physical things I see. Like Jesus says, man lives by every word of God, but not by bread alone. I need these. I want to hear these. I want to read these. I need more understanding. If you have that desire, God gave that to you. And it's a beautiful thing. Because on our own, you know, we... We can't conjure up a desire to do that. We need a fire lit inside of our bellies, inside of our hearts, to drive us for a passion for the Lord. Going back to their hidden understanding and their rejection, you know, later Paul talks about this as they went and planted, they're going to go plant churches, but he says first something was necessary, as I said, it was necessary that it was hidden from people as Jesus preached. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light. So not only is Jesus a light and the Holy Spirit a light and God a light, but now people who follow Jesus are a light that are supposed to not hide their their faith and their understanding under a basket or put it under a bed, but take it to the ends of the earth so that the church could grow, the kingdom of God can grow. And it says, and when the Gentiles heard this, when they went out and preached... They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. What does that mean? Appointed. People were appointed to eternal life. You know the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1. It says that that God chose you before the foundation of the world. To be cleansed and to be washed clean by your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, there's this, there's this 
understanding. There's this mystery in the Bible. It's always, there's it's always this is called to repent and believe, and yet it's only the ones whom the secret has been revealed to that can actually turn and believe. It says, as many as were appointed. Who were they appointed by? They were appointed by God. God is still doing the same thing that he used to do, appointing some and concealing truth to others. Now we have all kinds of issues and problems with this. We try to make up excuses for God or we try to do these dances around what the scripture has to say about that because we're not sure if we like it. But yet, if you're a believer here today and you have eternal life, instead of worrying about who's the next person that you're going to save God, you should drop to your knees in worship like the Gentiles and say, wow, like why us? Why me? Why do I get it? Why do I even understand? I've rejected you basically my whole life, struggled with humility, and now a light popped on and I desire you and I want to follow you. God, why me? There's nothing inside me. I didn't get smart enough. I didn't educate myself enough. I didn't do enough good works. I didn't drag myself to church enough to believe. It was the power of God revealing it to me. Only those appointed to eternal life will end up believing. God is still doing the same thing. Maybe this helps you understand why you've drugged your, your family member or friend to church so many times or you've shared sermons with them or you've read the Bible to them. You've prayed for them over and over again and yet they reject the truth. But it's not too late. It's not too late. We don't stop. We don't stop preaching and teaching and, and sharing because we don't know ultimately God's will and plan for a person's life. Think about your own life. How long did it take for you to get it? What happened in your life that led you up to this point and then finally the light came on and now you look back at your life and you can use your life as this example, as an analogy. Wow, like I know that you allowed all this stuff in my life, like in my sinful past and now instead of you know, now you can take all of that evil and use it for your good. Like in, you know, like I know so many people who struggled with addiction and, and all that sin that they were living in. But when they came to the Lord, now God's using it to reach people and, and help them get out of addiction. People who struggled with lust or sexual sin and, and when they came to the Lord, now God can take their past and use that and say, I was a sinner once too, just like you, but God can forgive you and God can save you. So yet we don't always know, even when in a person's sin and rebellion, you know, at what point will the light come on for them? But as I said last week, the, the only way that that happens is through God doing the work, but yet the word, how he uses us, is sharing the word. And that's called scattering seed, spreading seed out there in the world. Another verse about how the Spirit helps us to understand the Word is, who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might freely, that we might understand the things freely given to us. 
The Spirit helps us understand God's Word. We cannot do it on our own. That chapter goes on to talk about how unbelievers don't understand the Word of God. But it's only through the Spirit that we, as believers, understand God's words. And it is a mystery. And part of what I'm saying about this Holy Spirit is that He has to come into you and not just turn a light on, but come into you and cause you to be born again. To be taken from death to life. You know, you cannot get words through to someone who is dead. When you speak to a person, I know many of us have had family members or friends or, you know, you go through the line at the funeral and you want to say some things, you know, but they don't really actually have ears to be able to hear what you're saying. But you know what that's a picture of? Did you know it's a gift to us that we actually have death in our world because it reminds us how fragile life is and it reminds us how we are spiritually. That just like a dead person laying in their tomb or that funeral box, we too are like that spiritually. The Bible says, dead in our transgressions and sin, but in a moment God makes us alive by being born again with the Spirit. It's a mystery. Here's what Jesus says about this in John chapter 3. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I mean, what does this mean? Wind blows wherever it goes. You can't, you can't predict it. You can't really control it. You can't figure out what its purpose is. But yet, that's what the, the Spirit is like. He's using another analogy here. The Spirit of God comes upon people not by some kind of formula, not by some kind of set of words that somebody tells you to repeat after me and pray. It, the Spirit of God comes on people at the moment he decides, somehow in some kind of mysterious way, God is still revealing his secret truth to people. And we don't necessarily know why some people the light turns on and why some people they don't. And Jesus is speaking about just that in these parables. As we go on to talk about the mysteriousness of the kingdom of God and how God is going to grow it, Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground night and day. While he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade presses through, then the heads of the wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready... The farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle for the harvest time has come. Now I think maybe many of us look at this passage and the farmer, we think that guy's an idiot. Like 
we have science now, right? <laughs> We've got photosynthesis, and, and botany helps us to understand that actually in the right conditions, with the right soil, with the right water, with the correct sunlight, the correct temperature and nutrients that a plant can grow. It'll start, and then it'll grow a little bit stronger, and then it'll finally produce fruit, the wheat the kernels of wheat are the fruit, and Jesus is using this as an illustration. Even though we understand, you know, why a plant grows, we still, it does not explain anything about how it happened. Like, it does not explain how did that hard shell of a seed have DNA programmed into it to be able to suck water and nutrients in, and at the right time, sprout and grow up. That's still a mystery to us. Everything, the Bible says that, that, that God controls everything. He is holding all things together. Everything is under con his control, even plants growing. We can explain up to a point how things happen, but we don't know why. We don't know how it became that way. And yet God does. That's what this is saying. It's a mystery. He doesn't understand that when I follow all the things that they tell me to do, like when I, when I follow the instructions on how to, you know, fertilize my lawn or, you know, throw the weed and feed on there, you know, like which is totally wrong, by the way, you know. Like have you ever went to go fertilize your lawn and kill the weeds? You followed all the instructions and your lawn does not look like the lawn in the picture, you know. It's like, this is a lie. <laughs> so, it's a, so then you hire someone because it's a mystery, right? Somebody else do it. I can't figure it out. But Jesus is using this analogy about how something sprouts. This is talking about coming to faith. This is talking about a person starting and growing and then eventually bearing fruit. Here at Alpine Church, we believe that that's a, a picture of what a full-circle Christian disciple of Jesus Christ looks like. Not only do you sprout, but you also grow in strength and maturity. You grow to honor God, and then you also go and you bear fruit. You go tell other people. You make disciples. He's saying this is the stages of a Christian life, and yet we don't know how it started. <laughs> yeah, we say trust in Jesus. And yes, believe, repent and believe. The Bible says that. But the Bible also tells us that it is God doing the work so we don't get to take any credit for it. In 1 Corinthians, again, Paul talks about, you know, how they went out and planted churches and, and brought people to faith and baptized them. And it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So, so we th threw the seed out there and we gave, you know, the proper environment for growth to happen, but yet God did it. God grew these people. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, but we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Going back to last week's illustration about being the good soil, only the good soil provides what the seed needs to sprout, and the good soil represents those in whom God has appointed for eternal life, those in whom God has chosen. Those words are in the Bible. Don't kill the messenger, all right? Those words are in the Bible, just like words like, you know, predestination 
and election and all these things that we have to wrestle with in the scriptures. Okay? And not only does he cause the growth, the sprouting, he brings about the faith, the revelation in our hearts so that, that we can respond, but he, if, if, if you are potter God's field and his building, he will continue to cause that plant, which represents you and me, to continue to grow. In Philippians 1.6, it says, And I am sure of this, that he began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Chapter 2, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Work out your salvation. Try to figure out if you are truly a sprouted plant in God's field or if you are a seed that fell on the path or was scooped up by the bird or you're, you're caught in the thorns of life. Try to figure out if God is working in you. Because as we said last week, again, as you bear fruit, as you see growth in your life, that is evidence of your faith. Evidence of your faith comes out in how you live. Again, Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross for those in whom he authored and finished their faith. If you're an author, you're the one who actually started the writing. You began the words on the page, and each one of us is a book, a unique book that God is writing our lives out as we speak. And not only did he start the book, but he's going to finish the book, and he's going to do it for his good pleasure. Isn't this amazing and yet mysterious at the same time? So mysterious. How does it work then? Someone asked me last service, like, doesn't the Bible say that we say we don't do any works, it has nothing to do with us, but yet aren't we supposed to believe there's one thing you have to do, and it's I, I have to believe, and that's what gets me to heaven. And I said, yes, the Bible does say that, but where did you get that faith? How did you come to believe? Was it of your own ability and your own will or your own volition? Or was it from God himself who came and gave you the understanding. I'm trying to reveal to you and help you understand today that that is what we see in Scripture is that God is the author of our faith and the finisher of our faith. If he started it, he's going to finish it. So then, as we look out into the world and we say, okay, uh, just like, you know, 2,000 years ago, it seemed like Christianity was getting beaten, you know, like victory was the world's and not God's. Like when Jesus died on the cross, many people would think that was a defeat, and yet it was all a part of God's plan. All of the people rejecting him led toward our salvation. As we go on to the, this last parable, and I'm going to try to make, make it through this quickly, Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches, and birds can make nests in its 
shade. You think about this small seed, right? I believe he's talking about himself. Jesus was something small. To the world, to the surrounding Romans, even to the Jewish people, he was insignificant. He was just an annoyance. He was an irritation. Even the prophet says he was nothing to look upon, nothing to look at. If we see how Jesus came into the world, it wasn't through fame and fortune and honor. He was born and inside and laid inside the feeding trough of an animal. A slobbery, dirty, nasty feeding trough. I was thinking about this just yesterday as I go out and, you know, feed my dog and how nasty that bowl gets, you know? Like how nasty the dog bowl gets with his slobber and I got birds coming and trying to... And, and this, this dang cat, you know, this annoying cat that's coming and eating out of this bowl. And like, and like you think, like, there's nasty animals that could have diseases. So almost every time I touch that bowl, it's weird. So I'm kind of a germaphobe, but I'll, like, grab out the shirt. And, like, I got to, like, put it away or something. Or it's like every time I got to, like, make sure I wash my hands really well. Because those things are nasty. And our Lord, this Savior Jesus Christ, he came to the world in, in one of those in an animal's feeding trough, if anything, any human being isn't more insignificant or portrayed to be more insignificant, it would be the Lord Jesus, this small seed whom was buried in the ground. He died and was buried in the ground, seemingly defeated. That was how they were going to get rid of this annoyance. And yet when he died and was buried in the ground, he rose again. And a sprout happened that started the church that now is unstoppable. And as God in his sovereignty reveals through the Holy Spirit his hidden truth, his gospel, his mysterious plan of salvation to, to human hearts individually, that is how the kingdom of God grows. It wasn't going to be how they thought it was going to be. You know, he was going to come in as some kind of uh, warrior to take out the Romans no, he did it by dying. He came to spread the kingdom of God by dying. And this is my last verse that I want to share with you. Simon Peter, he was asked, Jesus says, who do you believe that I am? All these people had it wrong. And here's what Peter says. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And here's Jesus' response. Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You see, Peter wasn't smart enough. He wasn't holy enough. He didn't get enough education. He didn't become humble enough. My Father in heaven revealed this. It had to be a supernatural experience in Peter's life in order for him to understand that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And then he goes on to say, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So I want to leave you with this, church. We look out at the world... And we say things are getting bad. And the end is coming because we don't know how Christianity could survive any longer. Yet in the first century, all of his followers were killed and crucified and burned at the stake. And yet now, even thousands upon thousands in underground churches in North Korea and China, people are coming to faith still. 
because there are people willing to trust the word of God, to go out in boldness and to say, as I scatter seed, God will bring about the growth in the field that he's laid out into the world. And so you and I need to take up that call. If you're a Christian here today, first I just want to say, drop to your knees in amazement and worship that God has revealed this to you from heaven. And be grateful that you have been chosen by the Lord to be his adopted son or daughter and that he who began a good work in you is going to complete it. Even though there's hard times in life and the world is scary, God has this thing under control because he is sovereign Lord. If you are here today though and you're like, I struggle, I don't know if I understand, I don't know if I believe, God hasn't revealed, he hasn't lit that light yet. And what I can say to you is this. The Bible is clear. When the word of God is preached, all you can do is repent and believe. If you have a conviction of your sin, that your sin is what caused you to, Jesus to go to the cross, and you know, and you even have an inkling of understanding that that's why Jesus died, then for you too, I would say, drop to your knees and pray that God would give you ears to hear and understanding to be able to repent and believe today. Let's pray. Father, I'm so amazed at your, your ways. Your ways are so much higher and greater and above our ways and our understanding does not match yours. So we ask for understanding. Help us to have more. Your promise was that if we had ears to hear, even more would be given. So give us a greater understanding of who you are, Father. Help us to glorify you. Help us to have faith to go out and scatter seed in the world. And that you're in control of all of it. We have no control. We can't do anything but be obedient to your truth. For our family members, for our friends, just help us to believe that it is you and we rely on you, and we pray to you. And for those who do not believe here today, Father, we pray for your mercy and compassion and love on them, that they would have the same light that's shown in our hearts that would reveal to them the person of Jesus Christ, the one who died for their sins, rose again, and is now working out salvation in their hearts. Father, we pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.